I'm Sinhara, and welcome to the Black Girl's Guide to Fertility podcast. This show is for all women who are dealing with infertility, but it's specifically dedicated to Black women because we have a problem with opening up when it comes to this issue. And I don't want to leave out the men. You guys are welcome here too. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about my road to recovery after having a baby. Extreme pain. So after I had my daughter, um, I was in extreme pain from the C-section and I honestly didn't know it at first because when I was in the hospital, they had me on pain medication. They were giving me medication through the IV. And so they continuously asked me during my time there, was my level of pain? One being no pain and 10 being extreme pain. Um, And I would be like, oh, I don't have any pain, you know, maybe like a three. And I was at the day before I got ready to leave. They said, hey, we're going to start taking you off the pain medication. I'm like, okay, no problem. That night is when I actually felt the pain. And it was the worst pain I ever felt in my life. And I don't want to scare anybody who has to get a C-section because I don't want anyone to live in fear. People get C-sections all the time and they're totally fine. I got one. um, I ended up being okay, but it is major surgery. Um, And so after I had the C-section, I was off the pain medication. They sent me home. I was in immense pain. They gave me some morphine. I didn't like the way it made me feel, so I didn't take it. Um, But basically, I wasn't really able to do anything on my own. When I got home, my husband basically had to help me get upstairs. We have two levels um, in our home. He had to help me get upstairs. And one of the things they tell you is that you can't come up and downstairs. You need to stay up or stay down because you could end up harming yourself and hurting yourself and end up, you know, doing something to the stitches and, you know, the surgery. So anyhow, he had to help me get upstairs. And uh, pretty much for the first three weeks, he was doing everything because I couldn't even lean over. The bassinet was on my side of the bed initially, but I couldn't even lean over to get the baby out the bassinet because I couldn't even sit up in the bed. So I couldn't lean over to reach to get her. So he moved it to his side of the bed. And so whenever she would wake up, because I was breastfeeding, still in breastfeeding, but whenever she would wake up, he would hand her to me and I would feed her. Then he would put her back in the bassinet. And so that went on for the first three weeks while he was here, which I'm going to get to that in my next segment. Uh, But just being unable to really do things was a little bit frustrating. Um, And at that time, I still had a family that was here. My parents were here, so they were helping. Of course, my sisters were coming and everyone was here. And then I would say my husband left. When I say my daughter was like three weeks, maybe three and a half weeks old, I would, at that point, I wasn't in any pain anymore. So I was able to get up and do things, but still, you're not supposed to exert yourself or overexert yourself because, again, you can end up um, in harm's way in terms of the C-section. Uh, but by the time he left, because uh, he travels a lot, which I mentioned before, by the time he left, I wasn't in any more pain. Um, but I'm going to talk about that in one second because I did not really fully understand what it would be like to take care of a child on my own. Parenting alone. So I want to keep it 100% real. 
with you when my husband left to, um, and I know he was at that point when he left, he said he was going to be gone to November. So this was the end of August. Uh, my daughter's three and a half weeks at this point in time. And I knew he was not going to be back until Thanksgiving. Okay. But still in my mind, I was really sad about it, but I'm like, okay, you know, we're going to be all right. So anyhow, he has all his stuff packed. The car comes to pick him up and he left and I'm sitting on a couch with the baby and I'm like, what the hell do I do? Because again, I was recovering from the C-section. So for the first three weeks, he was doing the majority of everything. Obviously, I was doing the feedings, uh, but he was pretty much doing everything else. And so I'm sitting on the couch with my daughter. He's gone. And I'm like, well, how am I going to eat dinner? How am I going to wash these clothes? How am I going to take a shower? And it was extremely overwhelming. And I remember I sat on the couch downstairs in my living room and I was just crying like, how am I going to do this by myself? So then I gave myself a pep talk. Okay. And of course he was calling me on the phone. Like you can do this. I know you can do it. You got this. And so I was like, okay, I had to come up with a plan. How am I going to make this work with just me here? Because there is a benefit to having two people. And I, again, I don't want to discourage anyone because I know other people who have done this. I know plenty of single parents who make this happen. I know single parents who go the route of adopting or who go the route of using a sperm donor to have to become a parent and they make it work. But I can only speak for myself. It was and still is extremely, extremely challenging because every single thing is on you. And so with a newborn baby, you know, they're waking up every few hours, you know, they want to eat, they want to be comforted, all that stuff. And so I'm holding her, I'm feeding her, time for me to take my shower. I can't take a shower because she wants me to hold her. And it just was like nonstop of me going, 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 going all day with zero help. When I say zero, zero. So fast forward I'm trying to figure out things to do. My husband's calling me. He wanted me to hire a nanny at the very beginning uh, before he left. And he gave me two people to interview. Well, one person, I guess he uh, found on, I think it was care.com, actually did meet with that person. She was really young. Like, I think she may have been like a freshman or sophomore in college. Um, and she honestly did was not that responsible. And I asked her to send me her references and stuff. She never got back to me. So it was uh, X on her. Then I interviewed someone of my own. I mean, she seemed like she was going to be helpful. But then she had zero experience with newborns and babies, for that matter. And my daughter, since leaving the hospital and coming home, was extremely, extremely fussy. She was a crier. And every day she would cry literally from like 5 p.m. to like 10 p.m., just like cry. And initially I thought she had colic. 
And turned out she didn't have colic. And we still don't know why she was crying that persistently. But I know, and when I spoke to my doctor, they're like, it could be gas, could be other things. Some babies just cry during certain periods of time. They use an acronym called PURPLE for that particular form of crying. So needless to say, I was at home by myself with the baby uh, with no help. And I know it may be hard for other people to grasp because if I was on the other end of this wanting to have a baby, not really knowing, I would say, well, what is she talking about? And again, I get up every single morning. I thank God for my daughter. I wouldn't have it any other way. But I want to tell anyone who is considering, you know, parenting alone or who has a spouse that travels before you even have your baby, have your help lined up. Because I was so focused on having my daughter and getting her here, doing the fertility treatments. I plan, 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 plan for that. I didn't plan for how hard it would be parenting alone. Thank God for my niece. my niece came to visit me and she was very strategic about when she was going to come. Um, she said, Hey, I want to come when everyone's gone. You know, I really want to see everyone, but I feel like I'll be able to best help you when everyone's gone. And we had planned this maybe like two months before I had my daughter when she was going to come and I was like, okay, cool. Um, you know, that'll be fine. And so when she got here, she was supposed to be here for a week and a half. And so when she got here and she saw me and she said, okay, so there's no way I'm leaving you here by yourself. I'm going to stay and figure some things out. Um, she had taken a leave of absence from her job because she was getting married and moving to another state. And so she's like, um, I have a lot going on, but there's no way I'm leaving you here like this. And thank God she is a teacher. So she has experience with children. Um, and also her younger sister, who I believe is five or six now, but her younger sister had colic, which my daughter did not have colic, but her younger sister had colic. So she was used to crying babies. So she immediately came in and was like walking the floor with my daughter and like talking to her like, oh, baby, calm down. It's okay. I got you. <laughs> and so she told me, go eat your lunch. Like, it's good. I got this. And so really just having that help was a godsend. And I literally did not know why well, I knew how desperate I needed the help. Um, especially, you know, I would prefer, you know, to have a woman here with me. If, if my husband's not going to be here, I don't want just, you know, a man in here with me. You know, when I say a man, like a relative, a male relative, not that men are not helpful, but, you know, I'm in here, I'm breastfeeding, boobs out, all that stuff. So obviously I'll be more comfortable with a female relative. So Anyhow, she came and it was the best thing that happened to me. 
Um, actually, I learned things from her, believe it or not. She doesn't have children yet. She is 25, I'll be 26, uh, but she's excellent with children. And so I learned things from her, uh, just with her being there, because there's no rule book to parenting. There's no guide to parenting. When you get a baby, you are in the hospital and you come home with the baby and it's on you. And there was no instruction for me to take aside from other people in my family telling me, oh, just stuff the baby, feed her, feed her, feed her, feed her, and she'll sleep and she'll stop crying. And that didn't work. Um, it didn't work for me. And so when she came in, she was trying to find other um, alternatives to get her to kind of relax, not scream so much, which part of that was walking the floor with her. And so again, she was only supposed to be here for a week and a half. She said, I'm going to figure some things out and I'm going to stay. So she stayed for two weeks initially. She had to go back. She lives in Detroit. She, uh, she, well, at the time, she lived in Detroit. She had to go back to Detroit. So she went back for like a week or so. And then she came back and she stayed here with me off and on, I want to say until maybe, I think it was the end of October. And so I was extremely grateful to have her help. She actually traveled with me as well because my husband was working on the West Coast. So before when he would be traveling for work, I would go and meet him and, you know, we would hang out, you know, do stuff. It's completely different uh, traveling with a baby. One, you have anxiety. Um, well, at least I had anxiety traveling with the baby because I'm worried about her crying on the plane, people looking at me, stuff like that. And when I initially when I got on the plane, um, I think my daughter probably was like two months old. We got on the plane and I'm just like, oh, my God. People are staring at us, and my niece is like, who cares? <laughs> like, let them stare. We're going to work this out. So she was like my my coach. She's like, we got this. And so on the plane, every time I traveled, my daughter was perfect. Didn't cry, didn't say a word. And every single time we would land, people would come to me and say, what did you do to that baby to get her to be quiet? And I said, I said my prayers. That was all I could do. And so... Yeah, just having my niece here was a blessing. Um, and again, she traveled with me. She stayed here with me in Atlanta. And then she had to go back <laughs> because she was getting married. So I want to say she left around the end of October. So then I was here um, again by myself with the baby. And my husband came home Thanksgiving. So it was me here with the baby for about a month straight. And when he got here, it was like I was running a marathon and I knew I was counting down the days to when he was going to get here and I was running 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 and literally when he got here I just felt like okay this is on you I just need a break for like 10 seconds to actually go take more than a two minute shower you know I want to read a book there's a few things I want to write there's a few things I want to do and so I was running 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 and when he got here I was like thank God now I have help again so again ladies if you're listening have your help lined up it may sound crazy but it's not easy. Like my family told me, you know, I was talking to my aunt a few weeks ago. She was like, you know, parenting is hard. Being a mother is hard. Like, you know, welcome to the club. It's not easy. But it seemed easy to me, especially when you're watching other people's children, especially when they're good. <laughs> now, obviously, you know, they're not baby babies, but, you know, it just seems easy uh, to a certain degree to parent. But it is 
really hard. So have your help. Have people lined up who are going to help you um, because you will want that help in the long run. Corona be gonna. So my husband was home, I would say maybe for about a month, um, which was so helpful uh, having someone here. Um, it helped to release some stress and some pressure off of me. Um, and he was here, like I said, for about a month and then he left. And this time he went out of the country and I knew he was going to be gone this time for six months. And so just thinking about him being gone for that long was extremely stressful. But again, I just had to put my game face on like, okay, we're going to make this work. This time, I'm definitely going to find a nanny. So I actually did. I, I hired a nanny to come and help me out for a couple hours during the day just so I could like make some food and maybe do like a little bit of writing, that kind of stuff. But then I want to say I had the nanny for probably like three weeks and then Corona broke out. Well, the beginning of will be the coronavirus broke out. And so um, during that time, my husband's in Australia. And so, you know, he's, you know, keeping the ear out and trying to figure out what's going on with this, you know, whole coronavirus. And then he calls me and's like, hey, I'm probably going to have to come home because they're shutting everything down out here. But I need to get home by a certain time. Otherwise, I'm going to get stuck out here. So I was praying that he didn't get stuck out there and that he would make it back here to Atlanta. So anyhow, at that point, he was gone probably for about two months. He left in January and maybe it was two and a half months, almost three months. I'm, I'm losing track now. Uh, but he was gone for a couple months at this point in time. And so I'm just like, okay, well, if he can get home, that'll be great. Because again, I'll have some help. So he ends up coming back home. My daughter is thrilled because although he's been gone and, you know, she knows who he is because we FaceTime all the time when he's gone, but she's just thrilled. And I, I want to say she thrives when the both of us are here together um, and I can see it in her face. So uh, when he came back, I was just like, OK, thank God, because my nanny couldn't come anymore because she was terrified about catching the coronavirus and she had kids of her own. And she's like, you know, I'm not going to be able to come anymore um, until this whole thing is over. So, again, I was going to be by myself without any help at all. Uh, my parents were going to try to come down, but then they live in New York. And again, the coronavirus stopped them from coming. And so I was grateful that he was able to come home. So although we're dealing with this world crisis, for me, it was, I don't want to say a blessing in disguise because that's uh, not a good thing to say, because I know so many people have lost their lives with this outbreak of this virus, but it ended up working out in my favor, so to speak, because he has been home since this whole thing broke out um, and I have help. And again, I'm able to record my podcast. So in closing, I just wanted to do this quick recap to say that, um, you know, for all this time, I did all this planning to get my daughter here, um, but I did not do planning uh, for what it would be like to actually walk this thing alone and to have to carry the load 24-7. It is such a big responsibility, especially when the baby is so small, being up all through the night, 
with the child and there's no one here to help you at all. There's no one to relieve you during a day in case you want to doze off. There was no dozing off. There was no nap times for me. I was gone, gone, not going rather 24 seven. Um, and it's a lot, it's a lot for one person to handle. So it literally takes a village. So please have your family, your friends, your loved ones who you trust. If you're breastfeeding, your loved ones who are comfortable with you breastfeeding in front of them. Because when I had family here, I would go into a corner, go someplace and, you know, try to breastfeed her. And then it just becomes unrealistic to keep getting up after a while, every time the baby wants to eat. You know, it's just, you know, I just take my boob out and that's it. And hopefully everyone feels comfortable because I have to do what I have to do. But please, you know, when you're making out your plan, you're doing your fertility treatments, start looking now about who can help you, especially if you're going to be a stay-at-home mom, even if your spouse does not travel, but if you're going to be a stay-at-home mom while your husband is at work or your loved one or your significant other is at work, um, have your help lined up. If you're going to be parenting alone, you know, you're doing it alone, have your help lined up now because you're going to need it. If you're going to be taking an extended period from your job, I spoke to several women who took seven, eight months, even nine months off of their job because they wanted to be at home with their children, their, you know, son or daughter for those beginning, that beginning year almost have help lined up because it is so important and it's important to have a balance. And that's really what I was missing with my husband not being here. I did not have a balance because everything was on me. So I say all this to say, I'm not complaining. I will never, ever, ever complain about my daughter. I'm grateful to have her every single day. But the experiences that I go through, not just trying to have my daughter, but again, parenting alone uh, for all those months um, have been learning lessons for me and it's opened up my eyes um, to not just have compassion for other women who have to uh, be single parents, but just it opens my eyes to different experiences that I can also speak to and help other women who have to go this route and who have to, you know, do fertility treatments, who have to parent alone for extended periods of time. Um, it's hard. And I can only imagine women whose spouses are in the, you know, military, you know, what they have to go through, especially when they have multiple children um, and they're at home, you know, trying to do it all. It's very, very stressful. So again, um, for the last time, have your help lined up and just make sure that it's someone that you trust. If you don't trust them, learn to trust them because you are going to need someone there with you. Because as I'm learning, parenting is not a one person job. It literally takes a village. I'm Sinhara Eastman, and thank you for listening to the Black Girl's Guide to Fertility podcast. You can stay connected with this movement on my website, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And if you haven't already, please join my mailing list at blackgirlsguidetofertility.com and sinharaeastman.com. And if you haven't, please check out the first two episodes of my web series that's currently available on YouTube. And if you would like to donate, please go to my website, blackgirlsguidetofertility.com, and click on the PayPal tab. Thank you.